Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Kenny, uh, uh, Kenny, I think I'm having a mental breakdown. Oh, well, you've only got an hour to go, so hang in there. Okay. Well, uh, but but here's the problem, see. Uh, a week or so ago, I was contacted by uh, by Senator Ron Johnson's office, and he wanted to come on the air. And I can't remember what day he said he was wanted to come on. Well, simply and I get said, back to him and say, refresh my memory. Now I'm going to have to do that. Uh, I'm just scared, though, that he's going to just pop up on a day like today. Just pop up and uh, oh, <laughs> well, we'll deal with it ooh. if it comes to that. Mm, yeah, I hope it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, so so here's the deal, Northlanders. If if you are, uh, let's say you're in college or you're getting ready to go to college and you're thinking about, what what do I want as a profession? What do I know that I will I will be able to do for the rest of my life that there will be a need for? Go into mental uh, training. Go into be a psychiatrist, a, a sociologist, a something like that. One of those professions. One of those Ph jobs. Because man, everybody's crazy. I I, I think. Uh, you know this deal about the uh, that we were talking about at the end of last hour about people riding the Metro Transit light rail and how it's just completely out of out of control. People showed up at this hearing yesterday at the Capitol and said, "We we, we don't ride it anymore because you you can't you have to climb over the mountains, literally hills of uh, emptied needles from people taking hardcore drugs." Uh, we don't want to be sitting around those kind of people. We want to ride. If we have to have transportation, we want to be able to take transportation where we can feel a little bit comfortable in our own cars, for example. Well, Representative Brad Tabke, T-A-B-K-E, a DFLer from Shakopee, get how he got involved in this. He is sponsoring a bill that would implement an immediate three-month intervention in in invention intensive intervention program with the light rail to help reset the culture on the light rail he said he said this he said for the last two months i've been riding the metro transit because my car broke down i had car troubles and so to get here to the capital i had to take the metro transit he said we have a massive massive problem that we need to take action on see here, these guys at the Capitol wouldn't have known a thing about this had this guy, one of their own members, not been forced to ride the Metro Transit like all the other schleps going back and forth to work during the day. And because he was forced to ride it, he now says, hey, we got a massive, massive problem and we need to take care of it. And we need to address it right now. Aiden Kilgon, who has Down syndrome, said a woman wearing nothing but a towel hit him in the side of the head and spit in his face while he was taking the blue line to work in February. I need to be safe, he said. Dave Peterson lives in Minneapolis and regularly commutes to St. Paul for work using the light rail. He said the state of the light rail system is shocking. The drug use is out of control. These are fentanyl wrappers all over the floor of the train. Uh, Ryan Timlin, president of the local transit union, said that at the Lake Street station, you can look down the elevator shaft and see it is full of needles. He said he has one member 
who was on leave because they defended themselves. If they hadn't defended themselves, I think we'd be talking at his death, at his funeral right now, Timberland said. We have bus operators who are suffering from PTSD from dealing with these idiots, and they're not getting the assistance they need. I mean, this is this is beyond uh, frightening. Anyway, we got a caller on the line. Uh, Davey is on the phone. Uh, Davey, good morning to you. Good morning, Brad. I want to remember or recall a story that ha- happened to me. I was I dropped out in uh, Fort Scott, um, Arkansas, and I okay. had to take a Greyhound bus to go back home. You know, so sure. en route in, in the northern part of Arkansas, we bus driver pulls over to the side and the cops are there and they went through that bus with a drug sniffing dog and took people off and put them in a paddy wagon and then as we left the bus driver says this is just a routine that happens all the time they pull up to an area they stop any buses passing through and they do a drug search take those off that are involved and then we continue on with our journey so we're sorry wow. for the delay but part of our policing procedure here in Arkansas. Unbelievable. Thank you, Davey, for that. I, you know, and I believe it, too, because, you know, the, the these criminal element like this, they ride this to, you know, blend in with everybody else on the bus or on the transit riders. Hey, listen, where you will be able to blend in is if you love your Second Amendment rights and you love to be able to do a little uh, firearm shooting to protect your skills, to advance your skills, to become uh, better uh, able to protect you or your family, I got a place for you. And it's called Dead On Indoor Shooting Range. Uh, Chad, I'm, I've been looking more and more at, at this bill that is before our own legislature. It is frightening. It is, Brad. You know, I've had lots of calls on that. Lots of people are concerned. What can they do? Read the bill, and when the bill says that it doesn't infringe, that should tell you right then and there that it does infringe. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen, Chad, here's just one sentence out of it. If this bill passes in the form it's in right now, you will be required to keep your firearm in one locked location and your ammunition for that firearm in a second locked location away from the firearm. So how do you protect yourself in your house, then? (laughs) You tell me. I can't figure it out. (laughs) You don't. That that don't even make any sense. A lot of that bill don't even make any sense. And does it infringe? Well, first, let's ask the question, when did we, the people, give them the right and the power they infringe on our God-given rights to protect ourselves. When did we give those people the power to do that? We never did. And, we and we never did. Question. Yeah, I, I think most of us, if we look at when we elect people, we elect them to take care to make sure our rights are given to us, that are given to us by the Constitution, are protected, not taken away. And that's what's happening with these people. That is supposed to be the government's only job, is to protect our rights that we are born with. That is why yep. that is all founded, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. You know, when we go over that in the permit to carry class, and I, have, I end up having to educate a lot of folks because they're not up to date on, you know, what the Declaration of Independence meant and what the Constitution says and the Bill of Rights and how it all comes together and plays into our everyday life. And this is a prime example We have a lot of folks out there that are now finally waking up a little bit and saying, wait a second here. And it's not just with the gun bill. There's a lot of bills out there 
that day, oh, yeah. that are going to, you know, you look at it, okay, it's the gun bill today, tomorrow it could be your First Amendment, right? So when you speak out, now all of a sudden we're going to take you to jail. When is that coming? Well, it, it, it makes you wonder. Yeah, it does make you wonder. You're absolutely right. Eight miles outside of Proctor, up Highway 2, right there on the left-hand side, you will find dead-on shooting range, a great, great facility. You can give them a call at uh, 218-729-9689 or just simply go online. they got a great website, deadonshootingrange.com, deadonshootingrange.com. And they'll give you a lot of the information right there. But I would suggest get in your vehicle, ride up there, and walk through. Kick the tires. You're going to love the place, and you're going to feel at home and comfortable with like-minded people at Dead On Shooting Range. we got to take our break here, and, uh, and then we'll come back with much more on the abbreviated Tuesday version of Sound Off right here on 610 KDAL. KDAL time is 1124. Sunshine, uh, mild conditions, 33 degrees. That's the music of the Jay Giles Band. And that singer, Peter Wolf, having a birthday today. Peter Wolf, the singer of Jay Giles, 77 years old. And he's still alive. He's still alive, still jumping around, still doing the things he did. He was born in the Bronx, born in New York, moved to Boston, met up with some of the boys, and uh, they started a band, the Jay Giles Band. Great band. Good, good, good band. Good uh, rock and roll band. Well, uh, let me ask you, Kenny, after hearing the reports that happened yesterday at this hearing on the Metro Transit, is is that something that you feel warm and fuzzy about uh, going down to the cities now and jumping on and taking a ride? No, no. I I lived in the Twin Cities when they were building this light rail, and I used it from time to time. And things were okay back then, to some degree. Yeah, there the were early, some, there it, were some problems, but nothing like what I'm hearing now. No, I wouldn't step foot on that in the metro today. No, that's just me. No, not if you not if you want safety, not if you want a relaxing trip to your downtown business office or whatever. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that at all. And uh, and unfortunately, that's. But see, it it's all part of the bigger problem we have in this country right now. You know, why are we allowing people to ransack the potential building site of a police academy in Atlanta, Georgia? Because we've allowed domestic terrorists from all over the country to congregate in Atlanta and complain and cry and moan and throw Molotov cocktails and everything else at police because it might hurt their environmental plan for that location. I mean, same thing in schools. Why are a lot of children telling their parents, coming home to mom and dad and saying, hey, mom, dad, I don't feel safe in school. I got I got people yelling at me in the classroom. I got people threatening to punch me out. I got people uh, people fighting in the halls. 
Well, I thought teachers were supposed to stop that. I thought you had discipline uh, people in the schools that they wouldn't allow that to happen, and they'd uh, throw those people out. Oh, no, 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 Mom and Dad. We, we have this new culture that just about anything is allowed. And I mean, man, I, I, got, that, uh, I got that free and clear so many years ago when I was on the school board in Duluth. I had a teacher... Um, to say to me one time at a school board meeting, Brad, do you want to find out what it's really like to be in a classroom full of kids that are disruptive? Come to my classroom, my third grade class at Lincoln. So I did. And she said, I'm not going to tell anybody who you are or anything. I just want to inter- I, I just want to bring you into the classroom. I've got a chair in the back of the classroom. I'd like you to just sit there and observe. Don't tell me they all behaved when they saw the big man in the back. No, 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 quite the opposite, quite the opposite. Well, what I noticed very early on, Kenny, is there was about four, maybe five kids that were completely physically and mentally out of control, and they were at the desks or chairs that were closest to the windows, to the windows in the classroom. They were in the outside lane, and the teacher is up front, and they're t- trying to teach. Uh, I think the particular thing she was on that day was some kind of a vocabulary lesson, you know, how to separate verbs or something like that. And she's into this whole discussion, and all of a sudden, a kid sitting two rows in front of me and off to the left just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, flailing his arms and doing all this stuff. And I thought, what in the hell is going on? Well, that went on as the day went on, numerous of other interruptions like that. And when I say interruptions, can you imagine being a child, a third grade, you know, third grade child trying to learn from your teacher and about every 10 minutes having some kid screaming, flailing, dumping his chair over, doing other things. And I asked the teacher afterwards, I said, what in the heck was going on? What's with the, well, that's our in our inclusion program, Brad, we've decided in our school district here in Duluth that we have to include everybody into the regular classroom environment. And what it does is it creates a total trauma and uh, upset for normal kids that are there trying to learn on a regular basis. They are Their whole thought pattern is thrown out of control by these kids that should be in special needs classes, but aren't because we have said, oh, it's, we, we need to include them. It's inclusion. Everybody should be included in the same thing. Well, but not everybody is in the same mental state or mental condition. Well, that's what we see. Now, we have an opportunity down at Atlanta. We arrested something like 25 or 30 of those domestic terrorists yesterday throwing Molotov cocktails, throwing fireworks, hitting police officers with fireworks and bottles and everything else. These, there was, I think they said in the story I have that two of them are from the Atlanta area. The rest of them are from France, Mexico, uh, all over the country, England, all over the world. And they just come here to be part of this domestic terrorism deal. Well, they said, we have arrested them on domestic terrorism charges. And if we prosecute them and get a judgment, we can send these people to jail for 33 years. 
you know what? Do it once or twice. Find out how many more people commit terrorism, domestic terrorism, uh, on a situation like that. Well, folks, we're going to take our uh, our CBS news break, but before we do that, we've got our good friend Chris Dahlberg from over in the uh, what are you in the U.S. Bank building, Chris? I am in the U.S. Bank building, yes, and I'm looking out at the beautiful uh, ice-covered uh, lake there that's blown into the uh, the shore. Isn't it crazy how it changes? Yeah, I it's mean, beautiful. it just depends on how the wind blows. If the wind blows a certain way, all the ice blows out. Blows another way, blows in. <laughs> But all of you ice fishermen, uh, you could talk to Russ Francisco at Marine General, but uh, don't go out there on the ice uh, ice fishing day. No, 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 no. Unless you want to end up out in the middle of Lake Superior someplace, you don't want to do that. Right, and they should fine you if you're that uh, that dumb. I think they do. It Good. seems to me that I read someplace that they do they do give you a fine, which is supposed to recoup some of the money that it costs for us to rescue you off that ice flow. As they should, yep. But, hey, it's it's crazy busy in the Dahlberg Law Office. We're uh, working on some deadlines, but for the listeners, we always talk estate planning. So I know we're going to have openings uh, next week. So call in to uh, NASCAR, Nicole, 218-722-5809, 218-722-5809, and that Dahlberg Law Office will get you on the, the logs for next week to get in and start your estate planning. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right, Chris. You good care, good job. And we'll... Uh, We'll try to continue to send those uh, procrastinators your way that know they got to do this. They just think they have forever to do it, and forever is a long, long time. (laughs) That's right. You take care. All right. Thanks, Chris. Well, Kenny, let's take our CBS News break. KDAL time is 1136. Uh, Virginia checks in, fair skies, 28 degrees. Uh, Let's go to uh, Sawyer County in Wisconsin. Hayward, partly cloudy, 37, 28 at the... uh, Sky Harbor Airport on uh, Park Point, 28, and calm winds. Big improvement from a few days ago. But now I do understand, Kenny, uh, looking at both the Duluth and the Minneapolis papers, we're supposed to get more snow maybe another six inches later in the week, huh? Yeah, that's kind of been the pattern for the last several months. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, Uh, real quickly, Brad, the record high for uh, March 7th, 70 Back in 2000, the record oh, low, geez. the record low, we can still see cold temps, uh, 21 below back in 1955. And on this day, March 7th in 1967, the high temperature was three above. Wow. Big, big changes and up and down depending on the year exactly. and whatever. So we can still see yeah. extremes. But uh, Oh, and one more number for you tonight, sunset, 603. Oh, so it's starting to, you know, it, when is daylight savings? Well, that's a whole nother issue. Next Sunday. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Next Sunday. If it happens, there is a bill before the Congress right now to make daylight savings time permanent. The oh, way it no. Is right Stop now, the never madness. To change. No. Oh, no. No, no. We I love look that. forward to this in the spring. It's <laughs> no, we to don't. Look forward to. We can change all no. of our clocks. No, 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 no. We don't like getting up on ladders with us old people to change clocks and stuff. <laughs> uh. Listen, we've had uh, we've had our friend Alan a couple of times now trying to uh, keep kind of keep us up to date on seven on this uh, bill, uh, Senate file seventeen twenty three. It's the one I was talking to Chad about earlier, and I'm just going to give you a couple of highlights out of this bill, and then I want to talk to Alan, who has I think maybe some some uh, updated information. This bill in Minnesota that they are actually trying to force down our throats 
would require criminal background checks on all gun sales, including family sales to your own family. Let's say you wanted to trade a gun, uh, you wanted to give a gun to a cousin or an aunt. Uh, I don't know how they're going to enforce that, to check criminal background checks on low private sales, but they, they also would create a red flag law to temporarily remove access to guns from people in crisis. Well, somebody's going to have to set up a board to determine whether that person is in crisis or not, and they're going to have to make those decisions. And one that would require, as I mentioned earlier, the stupidest provision I think I've ever read that would require firearms and ammunition to be secured in safely locked separate places. In other words, you cannot have a shotgun in one area and the ammunition locked in a a box next to it. It's got to be in a separate area. So basically, as uh, as one of the people said, the county administrator from Itasca County, Brett Sykes, said we're, what we're trying to do is uh, we would have to say, oh, excuse me, uh, excuse me just a second while you're trying to break into my house. Let me uh, have enough time to go over and unlock my safe so I can get my ammunition and then get it over here by my weapon. Alan, please tell me there are some positive things happening with this bill. In other words, maybe it's either been killed or burned or something. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I was up late last night, uh, actually 1 this morning, 1 o'clock this morning. Here's the current status. Um, Okay. This this Senate file 1723 was introduced, and this is back in February of 16th, uh, February 16th. It was, uh, so that bill was introduced and had its first reading. So uh, right now it's in the Judiciary Public Safety Committee, and I looked for their agenda, and there was nothing on the agenda regarding this particular bill. But taking a step back, we also have to remember that there are, um, according to the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus, there's 20 anti-gun bills out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, we're just get, we're in this avalanche right now where they're just hitting us with everything from all sides. Uh, one thing well, to know about it, that committee, um, I just wanted to let people know that it's a 10-member committee. And, of course, the Democrats have the majority since they're in the majority sure. in the Senate. Sure. Uh, one other thing well, is that once it I'll, gets to the main floor, um, the yeah. Democrats have a, a majority of only one vote. So if we can swing one vote by putting the pressure on, um, you know, we could. We still stand a chance of killing this, but we've got to get oh, at yes. You got to get active. You got to call senators. You got to let them know. And and you know what? Around the state of Minnesota, Alan, and I'm sure you're aware of this. I read a piece this morning from Itasca County, for example, where they had a very active uh, Itasca County uh, board meeting last week, where they uh, they packed a February 21 meeting where more than 20 people, including the county sheriff, spoke in support of a controversial county measure, the resolution which states official opposition to any new law that would infringe on the Second Amendment rights of county citizens. So a lot of, uh, a lot of counties and a lot of local jurisdictions are taking uh, steps forward to lock out uh, people taking their rights away from them. They're they're saying, look, we're going to pass laws that are going to say you can't. We will not. Uh, we will not support legislation if this comes down. So I think it has had a positive effect to some degree. But Alan is absolutely right. If you want to see this thing killed once and for all, 
you got to make sure you call every senator that you can get your hands on and tell them, look, this is our constitutional rights that people are trying to take away. Do you want to be a senator that took away somebody's constitutional rights? Do you want to be remembered as that and really put the pressure on them to make sure this doesn't happen? I mean, some of these provisions are just absolutely crazy. You know, like like uh, like Chad said, how in the world would you defend yourself if you were required to lock your handgun in one safe somewhere and lock your ammunition in another one? And in the middle of the night, you get woke up out of a dead sleep, somebody trying to break down your door, and you're trying to figure out, where am I going to go first? Where am I going to get? Am I going to get my ammunition? Am I going to get my gun? Then am I going to be able to put it together? I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, thank you, Alan. Thank you for keeping up, uh, keeping us abreast of what's going on here. But it is in committee. It has had its first reading, and you need to start making uh, making people aware of your feelings on it. We uh, we now have on the phone with us a great guy from originally from Ely, Minnesota, but he decided, you know what? I'm going to leave the confines, the beautiful confines of Ely, where they have this great. Raspberry Festival every year and all kinds of good things. They have raspberry a Festival? Name. Is it the blueberry? <laughs> oh, blueberries. I'm sorry. I knew it was one of those berries. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know the main reason that we leave a place like Ely? It, it's, no. It's some, some woman convinces you that you should be someplace else. See, so. see, that's what happens. That's right. <laughs> and and yeah, it was uh, anyway. It was a good time to leave. But boy, always you know, always fond memories. Just visited with a um, a guy I graduated with, and uh, yeah, we keep we keep in touch. Uh, it's a it's an interesting community because you do keep in touch. You just remember yes, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all good. So many good things go going on there. My uh, my daughter and her family had a had a opportunity for about a year and a half to live there. They love the community. Uh, they like Rosso now where they live now, but they they really like the community of Ely. So uh, th- this time of the year, it's kind of a between time. Uh, you might still want to wear your mugs a lot so that you don't fall, but you're also thinking about uh, maybe getting some hiking boots to go out and hike some of the hills, uh, some of the trails. Uh, you can get all that stuff at your store, can't you? Absolutely. And you know what? Every time I think we're going to be done talking about ice bugs, you know, something happens like what happened last night or day before, and oh, yeah. uh, we, get, we get slippery again, and then we'll have some more coming. And, you know, it's going to be through the, the season. But you're right, Brad. It's it's really time that people get out and hike, and they don't want to get their feet wet. Um, they do want to get out. And we've got hiking boots that – Several of the manufacturers have taken their best running shoes, trail shoes, and they've put an additional top piece on it, and it becomes ah. their, their their hiker. And, you know, they're waterproof until you've just used them so much that they fill up with perspiration or whatever in that little membrane, and it, and it kind yeah. of cracks. But, but anyway, it's, a, it's an amazing product, both Gore-Tex and Event. They work, and the shoes are grippy. They're supportive. Um, it's not the hiking boot that you would have thought about, you know, that you'd put on uh, 30 and 40 years ago, where you put on something that weighed four and five pounds, right. and you you were lugging a whole lot besides yourself and your pack. 
out out into no, the country. No, these are these are really lightweight, Jimmy. Some of these hiking boots today that you don't even hardly know you have them on. Right, and you get a you know, so you've got those, and you've got a little pack with your water bottle and lunch or whatever, and you can go for a long ways only carrying you know ten pounds or eight pounds or six pounds, and and it's pretty nice. Sure. So that, and then it's you know, it's also the time that people are gearing up for their running and and walking, and. You know, the shoe companies keep competing with each other, trying to outdo each other. And Brooks now has a nitrogen-infused midsole that just makes it so light. It's it's crazy light. So, you know, everybody's trying to make them better and, and lighter, faster, stronger. So we've got those products in, and they're just starting to roll in every day. And I uh, like to see people in the store and try out how we fit you and process you because everybody's foot is different. And uh, if oh, yeah. your sister or your uncle or somebody told you you should try these shoes, well, maybe you should try them, but don't don't have your heart set on it because we might no. find you a better option. Well, and the nice thing is if you come into Tortoise and the Hare Foot Store, you're going to have so many options. The shoe you might think the, is the one you want to have might not be it at all, but you've got so many other options. You're bound to find something that fits your foot the way you want it to. And that's what Jimmy and his whole family is about. Tortoise and Hare Foot Store is a family-owned and operated foot store right on the corner of 40th Avenue West and Grand. Beautiful blue and white building with a big mural painted on the side. And Jimmy, why don't you tell them what the phone number is, how to get a hold of you, and also what hours you're open there. Okay, phone number is 218 218- Six two four four eight four zero, and we are open every Monday through Friday. It's nine until seven. Saturday nine until five, and Sunday noon to four. Check out our website tortoisehairfootwear.com. Thank you very much, Jimmy Stuckel. And they really do have a stadium named after his dad, Kenny, right there in in Ely. Yeah, yeah. where they hold Stuckel's- the uh, annual uh, raspberry festival. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a blueberry. <laughs> I know. But, you but know they what? do hold it right yeah. close there. Maybe they could add a raspberry festival. Have one of each. Uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah, give them something extra to do. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back shortly, folks. We've got to do our Minnesota news break. KDAL time, 11.52, just moments away from the start of Twins baseball at the top of the hour, Brad. So we're going to end the show early. See, the Dow is tanking. What is going on? The Dow is well, down over 350 points. It's almost yeah. dipped below 33,000. It currently stands at 33,076. Well, what happened is they were expecting some good news out of uh, Powell today, out of chair, uh, the Reserve Chairman Jeremy Powell, and it, he did, they didn't get it. Uh, in fact, he said uh, inflation continues to look like it's uh, continuing to rise. They're going to have to put some more controls, some more monetary controls, probably raise interest rates beyond where they are now. And uh, so the stock market, of course, doesn't like to hear that. And after, uh, you know, almost a year and a half of raising rates as it's been, uh, they're going to go up even more. Plus, you have things like uh, Meta or Facebook, as we used to know it, uh, coming out and saying, you know what? Uh, We had laid off about 13 percent of our people already, but now uh, things aren't going well. And we're going to have to slash another 11,000 workers uh, very quickly. We're going to have to lay those people off. So financially, things are, you know, troubling the stock market. It's uh, it's not looking like they had hoped it would be. Hey, I got to make mention before the end of the show, uh, former city councilor and uh, community activist uh, Barb Russ has, uh, has passed away. We all knew she had cancer. 
Uh, she had uh, resigned from the city council because of a, a condition, uh, part of cancer that was found in her. And she was 74 when she passed away Monday. Uh, she died early Monday of natural causes, well, natural causes cancer. She had spent 33 years as a member of the county attorney's office and uh, earned the backing of the Democratic Farmer Labor Party to run for city council. So we had, uh, I think that's uh, appropriate that we mention her passing. Um, now, Kenny, can you help me out a little bit with what is going on in Canal Park? I read a story this morning I didn't quite understand. Um, some nonprofit has now bought the lighthouse in Canal Park? Okay, that's the North Pier. Is that the one? I think so, yeah. Deb Halen, the Secretary of Inter of the Interior, this woman that hates mining, hates electricity, hates, you know, she hates so much do of any of that yes. kind of stuff. The same, well, this, she praised this as a great uh, addition. Evidently, the nonprofit is Native American-owned. Uh, oh. St. Paul-based nonprofit has named the new owner of the Duluth Harbor North Pier Lighthouse nearly two years after the Federal General Service Administration announced a search for a new caretaker. And then uh, evidently the name of the company is Rethos or something, Rethos, which focuses on historic preservation, education, and economic development, was recommended by the National Park Service to be the steward of the 113-year-old lighthouse at the end of the North Breakwater of Duluth Shipping Canal. The 43-foot structure was built in 1910 and has been listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Rethos uh, plans tours, probably beginning in the summer of 2024, uh, said its executive director, Heidi Schwank. From the lighthouse, there is this amazing view back to Duluth where you can really see the development up the hill. So uh, evidently, we now have a nonprofit that is going to own that and uh, try to keep it as a tourist attraction, uh, maybe charge for tours of the uh, of the facility. An architectural historian for the National Park Service said many groups initially were interested, but of those, uh, several did apply. Uh, and the one that was given the ownership of it is Rethos to the Preservation of uh, National Maritime Heritage. Uh, in 2019, Wisconsin Point Superior Harbor Entry Light sold for 159000 after the federal government was unsuccessful in giving it to a public entity. So yeah, it's that one still bothers me. Entity. Yeah, that private yeah. entity, by the way, is a guy from California who said, I just wanted wow. to own a lighthouse. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's not living there or anything else. He just bought it so he could have one. Yeah. Well, listen, folks, uh, we're just about to the time that we're going to break away to go to the Minnesota Twins. I'm going to be going to a game here in a couple of weeks. We're going to see uh, the Twins play the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, so, nice. Uh, well, hopefully you we'll have some nice weather game. because, well, I guess you usually do. So, What are you talking about? We always <laughs> It's 79 and mostly sunny today. All right. Well, watch out for alligators. Okay, we will. <laughs> but in the meantime, we'll be back at a regular schedule tomorrow, and then we are going to have a shortened a schedule again, uh, I believe, on Thursday the 9th. We'll be doing the same 10 uh, 
you know, 10 to 1 routine or whatever it is. So you're going to be back uh, tomorrow, 11. rested up for a full show tomorrow, ready and raring yes. to go. Oh, goody. And I'll be relaxed. I won't be all yeah. uh, upset about uh, what the state is doing, what the, the the gun restrictions are trying to put on us and take oh. away our Second Amendment rights. Nothing. By the way, I uh, talked to uh, Anthony Matt. He's a media relations with Essentia Health. And the word okay. is out now that they're uh, roughly 98% done. Uh, they're going to start moving into that new uh, Essentia Health Hospital pretty soon. But I asked him about East 1st Street. When does East 1st Street open? And he yeah. said, well, look for it to open sometime in June. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but they're, they're pretty much done with the actual interior of that building. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a beautiful building. Anyway, let's go twins and let's go wild tonight and we'll see you all tomorrow.